Welcome to the Pilot Podcast, where we watch the pilot episodes of TV shows and answer your question, should I watch this? My name is BJ. And my name is Me Too. And this week, we're checking out Solar Opposites on Hulu, Betty on HBO, The Midnight Gospel on Netflix, and Bruh on BET+. So stay tuned to the end to find out if BJ is going to open his own level 28. Are you going to invest in me? You have to invest in you, Beach. We have to invest in me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, speaking of investments, let's talk about the greatest investment of all, travel, and take ourselves back to Earth with Hulu's Solar Opposites. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) (laughs) So let's invest some time in an animated sitcom created by Justin Rowland and Mike McMahon. They are the creators of Rick and Morty, and now they've created Solar Opposites for Hulu. So Solar Opposites is all about a family of aliens. We meet Corvo and Terry, along with their replicates, Yumulak and Jesse, and also their pet, the pupa. And they've come to Earth to take refuge after their planet had been destroyed. And they're actually here to take over and make this place habitable for them and their people. But while they're waiting to get that plan executed due to a broken ship, they're just enjoying middle America and all the culture we have, like television shows. So Me Too, what were your first impressions? So we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but I love anytime you're able to flip narratives a little bit. And instead of the typical alien invasion story, this is one where aliens are just trying to get into this Americana culture and understand what's going on. And this feels very animated version of Third Rock from the Sun and aliens and other shows and movies about alien people who are trying to understand how to survive in, you know, suburban Cleveland or something. And so it was fun in that sense. Definitely. And we have a good balance where Corvo is still focused on their mission to take over the world, but he's not actively hurting people, while Terry totally invested in American and Earth culture and is just trying to go to the mall, you know, enjoy good foods, try on cool t-shirts. And the kids, they're split. Jesse wants friends and to go to the movies with the boy, while Yumulak, he wants to shoot people with lasers. So I like that even though they're flipping things, you still have the hints of they are aliens with dangerous technology. (laughs) And in this first episode, we see that dangerous technology put into use pretty aggressively. So Jesse and Yumulak are fighting back against a bully in a somewhat gross-out humor, violent way. And then Corvo and Terry are trying to use technology to bring their favorite character to life, Fun Bucket. And they also have this funny exchange where they don't realize that the characters on television aren't real. And so there's a great line about, if you tell me Frasier isn't real. And so (laughs) I liked that a lot because I I love me some Frasier. Frasier Hive, hello. Which brings up an interesting thought question of, do the aliens picking up on our TV signals think that everything is real? Like these are all documentaries? Do you think that there are aliens picking up on our TV signals and watching? Maybe. That's true. Maybe. Come save us. You think they'll pick up on that? It'll take a while. All right. (laughs) Also, a fun, very subtle nod in the show is that the aliens are kind of mimicking the human family structure of adults and kids. And Corvo and Terry are presumably a same gender couple. We don't fully know the details of their people, but it seems that way, especially since they went to a gay club. That's true. It was cool to see that 
they didn't make a big deal of it. I like the idea of getting to a place where on television and in culture generally, we can just have LGBT representation more representation from other marginalized communities and it isn't celebrated as though it's a remarkable thing and rather just presented as the normal slice of life of American life or whatever place you're trying to portray uh, as long as it's a representative population because it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, and I think they really do a good job of just reinforcing this is just a family and you know, families look like anything. Sometimes like Zootopia taught us, you have to change them from people to something else to really get that message across to an audience. (laughs) (laughs) Beach, who are some of your favorite characters in this show? So I really liked the pupa. It's this little lemon-looking slug monster that they carry around. So its purpose is strange and mysterious, but it's part of their mission. But I like that it plays a background role. It can't speak. So it's kind of like Maggie in The Simpsons. We see it doing strange and funny things when no one's looking. And I think it's really silent entertainment. Who did you like? I liked the kids. I'm excited to see the adventures of Jesse and Yumulak in school. School itself is almost feels like its own universe, especially when you're dealing with bullies and cliques and teachers that openly show disdain for you because you're an alien, but also you're doing some sketchy things because of the alien technology you have access to. And so I believe that will be an interesting cultural exchange in some fun ways. And it was interesting that the principal and I guess one of the teachers are aware that they are aliens, but you know, besides some ET jokes, no one makes a big deal about it. One of the teachers stays on them, though. Yes, they don't like them, but they're not worried or concerned that aliens are here. Yes, they're not doing anything to prevent destruction by the aliens and somewhat openly accept the destruction that comes from what they're doing. Wow, look at that. Acceptance. (laughs) It's all we ever wanted. (laughs) So, me too. What would you rate Solar Opposites on Hulu? So, if you're a fan of Rick and Morty and gross-out humor, I think you would like this show. I personally am not a gross-out humor person, but I completely get the appeal and would recommend it to any of our listeners who like that sort of thing. I agree. This is for people who like adult animated series. So, if you like Rick and Morty, maybe even Family Guy or The Simpsons, this would be worth checking out. And I would strongly recommend it to those folks. For me, I think maybe I'm a wood watch while doing laundry. I think I'm interested enough to see a little more. So taking things in the adult theme, but this time a little bit younger to Skate Kids, we watched Betty on HBO. So tell us about this spinoff. Yes, Betty is a spinoff of the 2018 movie Skate Kitchen from Crystal Moselle, and it's actually based on a real skate collective that she encountered. And this show follows Kurt, played by Nina Moran, Janae, played by Dee Dee Lovelace, Camille, played by Rochelle Vinberg, and Honey Bear, played by Cabrina Moonbear Adams, who is also the documentarian of the crew. And in this first episode, Janae and Camille are on the hunt for a lost backpack. And Kurt, Honey Bear, and Camille's friend Philip get high with the neighborhood weed dealer. <laughs> Just a normal day. Yes. And that neighborhood weed dealer is Farouk, and his assistant Indigo joins, played by Ajani Russell. How did you feel about it, Beach? So I could definitely tell that this was inspired by a film, kind of the same style you would see in a film was used in this first episode, where we take a little bit longer with the plot and we take longer shots, such as 
when they were hanging out in the van, smoking weed, and even the plot where they were helping out Camille find her backpack, it didn't seem like it was moving us to the greater endpoint of this new female skater collective that they're trying to start up. And I wonder if that's going to be an issue in a TV series where you kind of want more accomplished in 30 minutes versus in a movie where you can take your time. How do you feel about the transition and the pacing of the story? When you watch it, you can tell that this was probably fashioned after a movie is a spinoff from a movie just comes from that universe because it feels very vibey, if that makes sense, more than real plot. You just get a sense of where they are and the world isn't quite built out of what the storylines are, but you get a feel for what the world is like. And so it feels like you're being dropped into a movie. And I think that was really cool for the show because it was shot so beautifully and because you just get caught up and caught into the world. But it did lack plot. And for a 27-minute show, it's just tough to take such long side glances into these scenes without the payoff of understanding exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm. And speaking to that, we didn't get as much plot as we may have wanted. But what did you think about the world building and what they're trying to show us about skate culture, at least in New York? I mean, we got the quote that skateboarding is not about landing tricks. It's about having fun. Yes. So (laughs) I believed the world building. Like I said, it felt super vibey, but you do get caught up in it. With the skate culture, it made me nostalgic for when I thought I could be a skateboarder when I was in middle school and watching Tony Hawk be the coolest person on the planet and other skaters. And it was like very ubiquitous in culture. And I remember trying skateboarding at my neighbor's house, not doing particularly well and shelving that dream really quickly. But you needed a Kurt to teach you. I needed a Kurt to kind of hit on me, but then also teach me what's good. So, (laughs) yeah, I thought this the portrayal of the skate culture was beautiful. And you can tell that the show creator, clearly she's passionate about this subculture because she has now made two huge pieces of media based off this. But there is such a love there with how skate is portrayed. It felt real and it is a show. So there is some acting involved, but it was believable. And I think that even speaks to the characters and actors themselves. I felt like these were real skaters. I felt like this is what a skate park would be like and how they would behave running to like a convenience store after it's raining or criticizing each other for not holding the skateboard correctly or just wanting to, you know, have cookies and tea with some new skaters to kind of make friends. (laughs) (laughs) That Arizona iced tea that Kurt broke out in order to make friends. That was so cute. But I agree. Often with shows about young people, it feels like a room of people your age or older, Beach, writing for young people. Our age. Mm -hmm. You're a month older than I am. So just a young spring chicken over here. But Mm -hmm. so I would say the divide comes right between our birthdays. (laughs) Oh, really? And so for people. Set that boundary. (laughs) For people your age and older making shows about people my age and younger. (laughs) often it's a writer's room full of older folks trying to figure out what sounds cool. I've read Uh articles about writer's rooms that will learn lingo from their actors on set and then scramble back and try to incorporate that instead of just letting these young actors lead with their Mm -hmm. voices because they're the ones who know how their generation speaks best. And Mm -hmm. on this show, there is even improv. You just 
feel like this is how people that age would react to each other. Excuse me, people in my generation would (laughs) react to each other. Exactly. It was really a strong but also smart choice to let the actors do some improv with the jokes and the moments that they have interacting with each other. And that's why it felt so real and natural and believable, because some of it is probably candid takes of them just riffing off of each other. 100%. And that lends to the world building as well. That also helps suck you in. You just are following these kids having a ridiculous day. So, Beach, what would you rate HBO's Betty? I would rate Betty. Would watch again casually. I had my complaints about the pacing of the plot, but I really liked the characters. And I'm also interested in seeing how this new group is going to come together. Janae and Kurt already have a friendship, but now they've just added Honey Bear and Camille. And it seems like from the preview of the next episode, Indigo might keep learning more about the skate world and skate culture. And so I will check back in to see how this group does. What about you? I agree. I am especially into Honey Bear because she's a skater, but also the documentarian of the group and there's such an appeal around her. And so I just want to know what happens with her and the rest of the crew. Perfect. Well, if you want to know what happens to people, a great show that answers that question every week is The Midnight Gospel on Netflix. What happens on that one, Beach? So this is from Pendleton Ward. You may know him as the creator of Adventure Time, and he's back for a new animated series. And this is following DJ Clancy Gilroy, voiced by Duncan Trussell. And he is a video podcaster in space in his own dimension, the chromatic ribbon. And the cool thing about being a space podcaster is that he has access to a multiverse simulator, which allows him to travel to other worlds. All of these worlds seem to be going through an apocalypse. (laughs) He gets to interview the residents there for his space podcast. Yes. And in this first episode, he interviewed TV's Dr. Drew voicing a president who was overseeing a zombie apocalypse. Just a normal day leaving your country. So how did you feel about this one? So I was really looking forward to this show because I was such a big fan of Adventure Time, which is actually coming back for another few special episodes on HBO Max. Look Mm -hmm. forward to that. And this was quite different, but I think the cool thing is it kept a lot of the animation style and creative direction from Adventure Time. It's a very bright and colorful world. The characters are like round and noodle-like and fluid. And I do like that style. And I think it works well for this whole out there, interdimensional space travel concept. What were your impressions? I am not an animation style nerd like you are. Unfortunately, I wish I knew more about it. So I just got sucked into the conversation itself. I was unfamiliar with Duncan Trussell's work. And so Mm -hmm. before I realized that this was a show where the dialogue is based on interviews he's done in the past on his podcast, Mm -hmm. I genuinely was so enthralled with the conversations that I was like, man, they should just make a podcast out of this. (laughs) 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 Which is... A very, very dumb thing to admit. So I hope, listeners, you're gentle with me. I was not familiar with the huge world that is Duncan Trussell. So I wasn't paying so much attention to the animation as I was the 
beauty and the depth of their conversation and the trust that they had in that conversation. And it was fun to see this style where typically you'll see podcasts have clips of their dialogue animated where the animator has fun with it and they throw in wild things that are tangentially related to what the podcasters are saying to elevate the comedy or elevate the scenario of whatever they're discussing. And in this case, this is actually what's happening and what they're reacting to. They're playing in tandem versus hyping each other up. And that was a cool take to see as well. So when are you going to make animations for us? Well, I do have Photoshop, so... Step one. <laughs> I'll get started on that immediately. Thank you. Listeners, please email in instructions on how to do that. Or if you just want to do it yourselves and send them to us, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I also enjoyed seeing the podcast interview conversation animated. It does add another element to it. And I think the kind of surreal element in this one where there's a zombie apocalypse, but they're talking about drug use and drug culture and the effects that can have on people and behavior, but also kind of ignoring the zombie apocalypse going on around them was fun in a weird way. Like the fact that they could have such a serious in-depth conversation while fighting off zombies and then also finding out that, no, that's a spoiler. Watch the episode, you guys. Those moments where they do acknowledge the zombies were so funny. Like there's a part where Clancy starts carrying the president because he's so small to run away from the zombies and they pause and they go, the zombies are walking so slowly. Why are we even running? (laughs) And he puts the president on his shoulder and they turn around and they just look at the zombies. And so they pause the dialogue for a moment to watch them. And that was when I was reminded almost that this is a show where they're depicting an actual zombie apocalypse. And it's not just for me to take in this very interesting conversation between Duncan Trussell and Dr. Drew on drug use and when it's appropriate or inappropriate or what that even means. And so that was that was very funny. Those were funny reminders. Or there's a part where someone gives birth and they talk about when you should breathe versus when you should push. And Dr. Drew is like, yo, I'm a doctor, though I don't know what kind of doctor Dr. Drew is. But yes, that was great. Yeah, you get two stories for the price of one. Exactly. So what kind of topics do you predict or kind of hope they'll cover in future episodes? This conversation was so open and honest that I bet that they wouldn't be afraid of tackling bigger topics. So I could see, for example, religion coming up as a topic that's Mm -hmm. discussed. And I Mm -hmm. am so curious about how they would animate that. I bet that would be interesting. That's a good one. I'm thinking they might do something about like the environment and our use of like oil and fossil fuels and CO2 emissions, I think they might get deep into like, how can we make the world a cleaner, healthier place? Or is destroying the environment with industrialization? Like, what are the other sides to that? I could see that being an interesting one to animate because all of these are apocalypse scenarios. And we are in a very apocalyptic scenario animation or not with climate change right now. Mm -hmm. So that'll be fun to see drawn out just so that we have that extreme view to sharpen us a little bit, tighten us up. Yeah, this is definitely a show that makes you think. So do you want to keep thinking and watch more episodes of Netflix's Midnight Gospel? I think I do. I would rate the Midnight Gospel would watch again casually. This is definitely an episodic series like our podcast. So you can just jump in. (laughs) 
for episodes that interest you. Do you hear that, Netflix? So I <laughs> I will definitely listen to some more because I like the style of conversations that this show is presenting. What about you? I agree. I would watch again casually. I think it was so beautifully done and the conversations were so beautiful. This is not something I would binge because when you watch the episodes, they sort of send your mind spiraling and thinking about what you're hearing. And so that's not something I would want to do for several hours, <laughs> but... I certainly will enjoy sitting and watching an episode at a time and taking it in. You know what else is really beautiful? What? The friendship between college friends, much like us. Oh, bitch, thank you. I love you too. Well, you're not my bra, uh- <laughs> but, but you're close. <laughs> Ouch, okay. So let's head over to the new Tyler Perry comedy series, Bruh, on BET+. What can you tell us about it? Well, bruh, let me tell you. <laughs> This show, directed by and written by Tyler Perry, as with all Tyler Perry productions, stars Barry Brewer as John. He's a 30-something who runs a restaurant and lives with his mom, Alice, played by Chandra Curley-Young. And rounding out the rest of the crew is Dr. Tom, played by Mahdi Kosi, lawyer Mike, played by Philip Mullings Jr., and architect Bill, played by Monty Washington. And so those are the bras. In this first episode, John is choosing between money laundering or asking his friends for more money to open a (laughs) second business. In this case, it's Level 28 Nightclub that is up for sale in their neighborhood. And he remembers that place as a spot that he and his bras loved. Yeah, A&J sandwiches is not enough for him. So, Beach, was bra enough for you? How did you feel about them? I think they really showed a solid friend group. You can actually feel the the love for each other in this group of four friends who are very honest and can laugh at each other. And even if they hurt each other's feelings, they're like, look, we say this from a place of love. Let's hang out tomorrow, things like that. So I think Tyler Perry has achieved depicting the bruh culture, that brother-like relationship. I do love seeing male friendship and intimacy between men depicted in media. So let's dive into each of these bras and see what they're doing with their lives. How about we start with Dr. Tom Brooks? So Dr. Tom is a handsome young man working at a hospital, and he has a problem that's introduced in the first couple scenes. What's that problem? Well, he's treating this older woman, and she's trying to hook him up with the little young thing that brought her into the hospital, and they exchange phone numbers, and he promises to call, and as soon as the patient and her companion leave the room, his nurse hits him with a, you move on fast. And so we're immediately introduced to Valerie, played by Caroline Harris, who is, as Tyler Perry likes to write, a jealous woman scorned who will probably attack this man in some way because she can't manage her emotions well. Yeah. She wants him to call her number, not this new thing. Exactly. That's what's brewing over in Tom's world. And then we have Mike, the lawyer, Yeah, he is a very, very, very wealthy lawyer, (laughs) but he only has time for work. No time to fix up his apartment. So that's why he and his female companion, overnight companion, are sleeping on a futon. That's another thing. This show was surprisingly mature. They had really senseless nudity of the character Pam, Mike's companion, played by Alyssa Goss. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm surprised to see Tyler Perry use cursing and sex scenes and nudity. Yes, this is rated TVMA. So you were speaking about their futon. 
Yeah, so Mike and Pam were hooking up on a futon because Mike doesn't have time to invest in a bed. But luckily enough, Pamela is an interior decorator, and she's willing to help him out for the low price of $100,000. Y'all, there is a scene where Pam convinces Mike to redecorate his apartment because he is equal parts a wealthy attorney in Atlanta, but lives in a studio apartment and sleeps on a pullout futon. And within that apartment, Pam wants to redecorate and make it look nice. Mike hands her the credit card. She says, what's my budget? He says, 25. You think the joke will be 2,500 versus 25,000. The implication when he said 25 apparently was 25,000, but Pam Mm -hmm. asked him to bump it to 100,000. Two questions there. One, how does it cost 25,000 or 100,000 to decorate? a studio apartment that is housed with a futon. Two, whose credit card is that? What casual credit card? How do you hand someone a credit card and trust $25,000 versus $100,000? What is your limit? Yeah, what is his limit? I guess he's just way outside of our tax bracket. Sure. Also, is Pamela not a con artist? 100% she is. She seemed too happy to get that 100000 out of him. She knew the pin. Why did she already know the pin? She's like, did the pin change? Wait, if there's a pin, then it's a debit card. It's a debit card, uh-huh, which your limit's not going to be $100,000 per day. Yeah, you can't charge that kind of money on a debit card. That's cash out of your account. So he is so rich, he keeps $100,000 sitting in his checking account. <laughs> Honestly, watch us laugh about this, but then turn around. Tyler Perry is like... You know, he's like almost a billionaire, if not a billionaire. And it's maybe he chain. has that. Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know how debit cards work, but I know plenty of attorneys in Atlanta. And I don't think that they have, let's say, $200,000 in their checking account. On to Bill, who we saw the least in this first episode, our architect of the group. Yes. We see a little bit of Bill in the interaction at the end where John strikes up the courage to ask his friends for a second round of investment to buy level 28 And Bill, one, is reticent to invest again in his friend when he's not getting any money back on the initial investment. They're all only getting like $50 a month from him. And two, it's teased that Bill's relationship is on the rocks because his girlfriend is missing and it sounds like they're always together. So I assume that'll get played out more in future episodes. Yeah. And then last but not least, our lead character, John... What did you think of his relationship with his mom, Alice? It was really nasty. I feel like typically with Tyler Perry shows and movies, of which I've consumed a ton, I love Tyler Perry's plays. They're so funny. The insults that are jabbed back and forth are typically mean, but they're not cutting like that. They're typically rooted in love. It's the way that a family would tease each other. I think whatever you say about the content that Tyler puts out, it is very reminiscent of how some homes interact. But in this case, I'm not sure if he was intentionally writing the insults more aggressively that the mom did to John because it was a mature show where there can be cursing and other things. But she even talks about the fact that she could have aborted him. It was really dark. I didn't laugh. She kept laughing and I just felt really uncomfortable. While I was watching that scene, I looked like, you know, that picture of Chrissy Teigen at the Golden Globes where she's just like kind of half smiling in discomfort. That was me. She was a little too honest. She did throw in an I love you once throughout the episode just to remind us she doesn't hate her son, but it's a rocky, somewhat abusive relationship. So what do you predict for John? 
What do you think is going to happen now that he's potentially going to be in the crime biz with his cousin Leon? Well, John owes everyone money and is making those minimum monthly payments of $50. (laughs) His friends and family. (laughs) To his mother slash roommate slash business partner slash prom date. Anyway, I think he's just going to get himself into some trouble and he's going to need the bras to come together to help him out. What are you predicting? One thing that we saw on the show was that it was clear that the bras may not be as close as they used to be, which naturally happens with friendships. There are ebbs and flows, especially over a long period of time. But it's clear that they're not speaking regularly. So I wonder if maybe something John does or something going bad with Level 28 or this stuff with his cousin Leon, I wonder if some of that will bring them together and then we'll just get to see their relationships get really close. Because that's the most interesting thing to me. Forbra is this really strong male friendship that they have. Okay, so you want level 28 to be a bonding experience. Yes, like a little montage of them painting it or something like that. So me too, are you gonna stick with this and find out what happens to this nightclub? I would suggest if you're looking for a sitcom to watch while you're folding laundry or cooking to check out Bruh. But before Bruh, I would strongly recommend First Wives Club, which we reviewed on this show which is on BET Plus, if you find yourself on the platform, I would skip past bra for now and go straight to First Wives Club, which was a beautiful show. Wow. I am going to say I would not watch again. Great concept. I have some problems with the execution. There are other Tyler Perry productions that you should check out. Like the plays. Mm -hmm. Medea plays are fun. There you go. And those are on BET Plus as well. Yes. If you want to find other shows that we recommend watching, head to our website at thepilotpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to us on all of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you want deep dives into single episodes of TV shows, check out the Pilot Podcast Deep Dive at join.thepilotpodcast.com. We've reviewed HBO's Succession, Netflix's Elite, Freeform's Everything is Gonna Be Okay, Hulu's High Fidelity, among a whole host of other shows. So check it out. Those come out bi-monthly. And you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at The Pilot Pod. You can send thoughts, feelings, show suggestions, feedback, stories about your bras, or just close friend groups, (laughs) and skateboarding tips to askthepilotpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.